Welcome to the Games for the Throne podcast, a podcast about the HBO series Game of Thrones. I'm your host, Courtney, aka Mother of Dragons. Welcome to episode 602. This podcast will cover the episode Home. So we start off with Bran and the Three-Eyed Raven. They're in a vision visiting Winterfell. We get to see a young Ned and Benjen Stark. They're sword fighting. Their master at arms is teaching them sword play. This young girl on horseback comes in. We find out that this is Lyanna Stark, of course, Ned Stark's older sister. And um, she's riding her horse around and they're giving her, she's giving them a hard time. And she asks Benjen who he's going to spar with once Ned has gone to the Eyrie. So Ned suggests Wallace or Willis, who is this character we're introduced to. He is mentioned as a giant or having giant's blood. And this is actually a young Hodor, a young Hodor who can speak. So Lyanna tries to talk him into sparring with Benjen and um, they actually talk about what his weaknesses are. This is aside from where Ned and Benjen can hear. And when Willis is going to start sparring with Benjen, old Nan comes out, she stops him. She says that he's not a little lord, he's a stable boy and that he has work to do. Bran's very excited to see his aunt Lyanna because his father would never talk about her. It was just too upsetting for him. But, you know, obviously he's seen her likeness in the crypts of Winterfell, and she's definitely a presence. Bran, of course, wants to stay a little longer. He asks if they can just stay just a little bit longer, but the Three-Eyed Raven pulls them out of the vision, and they're back in the cave. And Bran mentions that every time they're about to see something interesting, or they see something that he wants to see, the Three-Eyed Raven pulls him out of it and the the three-eyed raven says well you know the bottom of the ocean is beautiful but if you stay there too long you're gonna suffocate and die because you can't breathe water Branton turns to Hodor who's also in the cave and he says you know hey I saw you when you were a young boy your name was Willis and you actually talked and of course Hodor just says Hodor so Bran asks where Mira is, and he finds out that she's outside of the tree cave. He comes out there to see her. Obviously, Hodor carries him out there, lays him down. They have a minute. She's just really depressed with her brother being dead. She um, doesn't know what to do, and Bran tells her, the Three-Eyed Raven has told him this war is coming. They have a lot to do, and um, she's just, she's not feeling it, so he decides to leave her alone. And once he goes back inside, Leaf, who's the little, one of the children of the forest, she's kind of skulking about and she comes out and she says, you know, you're, he's going to need you. He's not going to be in this tree cave forever. And once he's out there, he's going to need somebody to help him. So that's really going to be her purpose, whether or not she wants that purpose, who knows, but that is her purpose, is to help Bran when he becomes the Three-Eyed Raven. We go to the wall, and Alistair Thorne is at the door. He is telling Sir Davos that his time is up, that they need to open up and surrender. He makes his usual promises again. He won't hurt anybody. He will let Ghost go out um, through north of the wall where he belongs. He won't kill him. And uh, Sir Davos doesn't believe this for a second. Neither do I. And Sir Davos um, says that he plans to fight them and 
everybody in the room draws their swords. Sir Alistair's men are trying to break through the door, and they're almost through. Sir Davos and his men are ready to fight. When they all turn, they hear something at the gates of Castle Black, and it's uh, one of the giants and then the wildlings. They are there to help um, fight for John. So um, Tormund ends up cutting one guy down and kills him. And another guy of the Night's Watch, he shoots an arrow at the giant. The giant takes him and flattens him pretty quickly. So after the Night's Watch sees this, the rest of them drop their swords pretty quickly. Sir Alistair's really mad about this. He says they're all cowards to pick up their swords and defend themselves, but they're just not going to do it. Tormund goes to see John's body and he tells Sir Davos that they should burn it right away before he comes back as a White Walker. After that, we cut to King's Landing where there's this guy um, in a tavern talking about Cersei's walk of shame and how when she saw him and his endowments, she looked like she wanted it and she winked at him. Well, apparently Cersei knows this kind of thing is going on and has dispatched the mountain to get rid of anybody in King's Landing that is talking like this. The guy goes to relieve himself in a sort of alleyway somewhere and the mountain basically bashes his head into a wall. So she is not standing for any of that and um, I, I seriously believe that she's behind that. I don't think that's something, something that Tommen's doing. It's the day of Marcella's funeral, and of course, Cersei wants to go, so she goes to leave her room, but there are guards posted outside. They say that she's not allowed to leave the keep, and she says she wants to speak with the king. And they say, well, these orders came from King Tommen, and he is not in the Red Keep right now because he's at Marcella's funeral. So she, there's not much she can do. She turns and goes back into her room for now. We see Jamie and Tommen in the Sept. This is presumably after... Um, Marcella's large funeral where all of the lords and ladies would have been there. They're talking and Jamie is just really trying to urge Tommen to go see his mom. Tommen gives some excuses like he thinks that she is the one behind Prince Tristane's murder. Jamie tells her that you know he doesn't believe that and um, finally Tommen breaks down. He says you know I let them take my mom and my wife. They paraded my mom naked through the streets like a whore. I'm the king and there was nothing I could do about that. So he is just really ashamed. And Jamie just continues to say, you know, just go see your mom. Everything's going to be okay. The High Sparrow walks in at this point. Tommen immediately asks, can he see um, Marjorie? And of course the High Sparrow says, no, you can't see your wife yet because she hasn't confessed to anything. So Jamie says, you know, just go ahead and leave. Go see your mom. So that's what Tommen goes to do. Then the High Sparrow and Jamie have a talk. Jamie says, you know, basically that the High Sparrow is going to get what get it was get what's coming to him because of what he did to Cersei. And then, you know, um, he says, you know, when's my day of reckoning going to come? I did all of these horrible things. I killed this king that I was supposed to be protecting. I killed my cousin who was, of course, Sir Cleos Frey, way back when Brienne was bringing Jamie back to King's Landing for Catelyn Stark. Um, Cleos Frey was the guy that was with them that Jamie killed in order to get away from Brienne. He continues with, you know, um, 
I was supposed to be protecting Joffrey. Joffrey was killed by my brother, who I then helped escape. And since I let him escape, then he killed my father. So when am I going to atone for my sins? And I Sparrow says, well, you know, one day, one man at a time. Jamie kind of alludes to um, possibly killing the High Sparrow. He puts his um, hand on his sword hilt and the High Sparrow says, you know, go ahead, kill me, doesn't matter. And of course, uh, all these other little sparrows come out of hiding. Um, and Jamie's like, you know, you, you sure do have a lot of guys around for somebody that's supposed to be so high and mighty. And, you know, um, the High Sparrow says, well... I really have enough followers to overthrow an empire, which is basically, that's a pretty big threat to the Lannister legacy here. Tommen finally goes to visit Cersei. He says that he's sorry that he didn't let her come to Marcella's funeral. He thought he was doing the right thing, that he just did, he couldn't take her being locked up again. He didn't know what to do and that he's really sorry that he did not execute the faith militant after they took her away. Um, you know, he, she taught him to be strong as he was growing up. That was the way that she raised him. And somewhere along the way, he lost that strength. So he really needs her to teach him how to be strong again. Next, we go to Marine and Tyrion, Missandei, Grey Worm, and Varys are talking. Of course, Tyrion is drinking. They're all looking down on him for that. Um, they are talking about how Astapor and Yunkai have now been taken over again by the masters. In Danny's absence, slavery is back in full force there. Tyrion starts asking about the dragons. Where are they? You know, Danny is the queen, the mother of dragons. She needs to have her dragons. And um, Grey Worm says that the dragons won't eat. So Tyrion says, well, you know, dragons aren't really supposed to be kept in captivity. They thrive in being free, and when the Targaryens started chaining them up and um, putting them in cages, that's when the dragons started to become stunted and stilted and die off. So he says that he will go down there and he will take the collars off of the dragons. They're still going to be down in the pit, but he's going to at least unleash them, let him know that he's there as a friend to help them. Varys takes Tyrion down to the bottom of the pyramid where the dragons are being kept, but Varys stays at the door. Tyrion walks in, and out of the darkness comes one of the dragons. Flame starts to come out of his mouth, and he kind of looks at Tyrion and stops. And Tyrion introduces himself. He says, I'm a friend of your mother's. I'm here to help you. And he starts to tell the dragons about how he was a, when he was a little boy, he loved to hear all of the stories are about the dragons and that for his name day, he asked his uncle if he could have a dragon and not a huge one like the Targaryens had, but you know, a little one that matched his size. And of course, everybody laughed at him and his father said, well, you know, the last dragons died at least a century ago. There are no other dragons. He ends up taking the collar off of the first dragon and the other dragon comes over and kind of bends over saying, hey, do the same thing for me and bends in the certain way where Tyrion can take off the collar. Once he takes off the collar, the dragons turn around. They kind of go back into the darkness and Tyrion <laughs> walks back to where Varys is. And he tells Varys, you know, if I ever have another idea like that again, punch me in the face. Arya is still out on the street begging. The waif shows up 
and she starts fighting Arya for a minute. She asks Arya what her name is. Of course, Arya says, I'm no one. Then the waif disappears. Arya thinks she's alone again. And then we see Yekin Hagar, um, or at least his form. And he starts um, questioning Arya again and again about who she is. And he offers to give her her sight back if she'll just say who she is. And she can come home if she just will say who she is. And she continues to say no one. So finally, he concedes and he tells her that um, she can drop the, the bowl now. She is not a beggar anymore and that she can come back to the house of black and white. Lord Bolton and Ramsay have found out that their hunting party was killed. So they feel that somebody is helping Sansa and Theon because obviously they couldn't do that. They think it's possibly Jon Snow. Ramsay thinks that Jon is a threat because he's the last Stark boy. But um, Lord Bolton points out that he's a bastard. Ramsay said, yeah, but I was too. The um, Boltons now have the help of the Car Starks. These were... This is a major allegiance. They're a major northern family. They're actually, they actually claim to be descended from the Starks. And now they are on the Bolton side because back during the War of the Five Kings, um, their father killed two Lannister boys who were innocent of killing nobody. Um, they were in cells locked up. Rob told their father not to kill these boys and the Karstark father did anyway. So Rob ended up having to behead him. So now this whole family has written the, the Starks off and joined the Boltons. Um, Ramsay wants to march on Castle Black and get rid of John. And Lord Bolton says, you know, you're crazy. We cannot go after the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. We will lose all the families of the North. Ramsay says, well, we don't need all of the families. We've got this one, this one, this one, and this one. These are the major ones that we can beat the rest. We don't need to worry about that. And right at that time, the maester comes in and tells Lord Bolton that he has a brand new baby boy. So Ramsay walks up to his father and um, Lord Bolton tells him that you know, he'll always be his first and that he loves him. And Ramsey says, you know, thanks, dad. That means a lot to me and stabs his dad right in the heart and kills him. Then he tells the maester to send ravens to all of their, um, all of everybody basically in Westeros and that, um, to tell them that their enemies poison Lord Bolton. So that's how he's going to get the North to unite. Um, the young Lord Karstark seems to fall right in line with this. He seems to have even maybe known that Ramsay was going to kill his father. He doesn't blink an eye. Um, Ramsay then asks where his brother and mother are and tells the maester to go get them and tell them that he wants to see them. So poor Walda meets, she's just given birth to this baby. She was resting. She now is meeting Ramsay in the courtyard under the guise of Lord Bolton has called her to meet him somewhere. So Ramsay says, I'm going to take you to my father. And he leads her into the kennels. Well, she should have known right away that something was weird with that. Because we all know Ramsay's psycho and that he lets his dogs eat whatever. So she starts to kind of feel that something's off. She keeps asking where her husband is, but she's in there now. And he starts unlatching the gates and he um, has already locked her in there. He's actually in there with her. 
she pleads for her life she pleads for her baby's life you know please Ramsey this is your brother he says yeah I'm really good with being an only child and he releases the dogs and they get eaten Sansa's party is still out in the woods they're trying to build a fire which Theon thinks is an extremely bad idea um they're planning to go north to the wall to John and um Brienne and Sansa are talking she tells Sansa that she came upon Arya who was with the hound she was dressed like a boy and Arya says yeah of course she wouldn't be dressed like a lady and um Brienne said you know she ran away she fought me she ran away and I looked for her for a couple of days but I could find no trace of her so I continued on to come find you um, she asks Sansa what she went through with the Boltons. You know, is she okay? Sansa doesn't really tell her what happened. She just said, you know, I really wish that I had gone with you the first time when you asked me. And Brienne said, you know, you make you made a difficult choice. We've all made a lot of difficult choices. And she kind of looks at Theon. Um, so then Sansa and Theon talk. And um, he tells Sansa that he's not going to go to the wall with them. That he would have taken her there he would have died to get her there but now that she is with Brienne and Pod he wants to go back home this is also um that's his first reason and also just because he knows that John's going to kill him John still thinks that he killed Bran and Rickon you know Theon betrayed Rob there's a lot of things that John would have a lot of anger towards Theon for so Theon just wants to go back home and help his father and his family to rule the Iron Islands and that takes us to the Iron Islands where Yara is talking with her father he's telling or she's telling him how um you know they had to run and leave that Deepwood Mott has been taken back everywhere in the north that they took has been taken back and any of the Iron Islanders that were there have been killed. He will not suffer defeat. He says that, um, you know, she wasted time trying to save her brother and that they need to go and take back the North again. And she says, you know, dad, we're strong at sea, but on land, we are just not any good. We are ship fighters. Um, and she says the only reason that they got the North the first time was because all of the men of the North had left to go with Rob to go fight the Lannisters in the South. So he just won't listen to her. Um, you know, she says, look, the last time you did this, I lost my brothers and he doesn't care. He's just bullheaded and he wants his crown. So he leaves her. He's going across this rickety old rope bridge that is, um, like basically their way to get to the different towers in their castle on Pike. Um, the Iron Islanders like to do things the hard way. So he's crossing this rope bridge and he sees somebody down the way. He says, who is this? Quit blocking your king. Get out of my way. It's this hooded figure and um, the hooded figure reveals himself and it is actually his brother, um, Euron Greyjoy, who's been gone for a few years, traveling um, around the world, basically wreaking havoc. He's basically a terrorist. And um, Balon says, you know, last I heard you went crazy during the storm in the Jade Sea. And I heard your crew had to tie you to the mast of the ship so that you wouldn't jump overboard. And then after the storm was over, you cut all their tongues out. 
And Euron says, yeah, you know, I went a little crazy, but you know, that's because basically the storm guy and I, we were getting to be close friends. And then once it was over, I needed silence. So I cut all the tongues of my crew members out. So this sounds like a guy that you want to, um, you know, be um, his liege. You want to be in his army because he's obviously really nice. And he's also one of Balin's younger brothers. Most of Balin's brothers have died. There, There is another one in the book that they've left out of the show because he's just filler. Um, I mean, he does pose a purpose, but just not one that would be good for the show. So, um, Euron says that he has come back because he is going to be the king now. And when Balon tries to fight him, he throws him over the, um, off the road bridge. Then we cut to his funeral. Obviously he's been found. Yara is there and she is vowing to find out who killed her father. So she knows something was up with her father's death. And, um, you know, she says, well, when I'm ruler and her uncle, who is a priest of the drowned God, turns to her and says, look, nothing's set in stone yet. There's nothing that said that you're going to be the ruler. She says, well, you know, my father wanted me to be the ruler. And he says, you know, that doesn't matter. This is the Iron Islands. What we do is a king's mutt, which is basically where anybody, um, all of the Iron Islanders can meet at this certain place where Naga's jaws are and Naga was this, um, um, sea creature that the first, um, king of the Iron Islands, I believe, um, fought and killed. And so that is the sacred place to them. And anybody can go and put forth their, um, nomination for who should be the ruler. And then you basically have to get everybody on your side and it's voted for there. And, of course, Yara is a woman. They've never had a female ruler before, so she's kind of at a disadvantage. And that is going to be something that she's going to have to try to overcome. Finally, we go back to the wall, and Sir Davos has gone to see Melisandre. He wants to know if she has any idea or if there is any magic that she knows of that can bring John back. He's seen her do these things that he thought impossible and um he just believes that there must be something that she can do and she tells him well you know i saw this man that was brought back to life one time but i've never seen it done i've never done it before and she's just not very willing to do it because she's just lost um her confidence um, you know, she says all of the visions that she received were wrong and she really believes that the red God has not spoken to her and that everything she's done has been in vain. So she's kind of lost her way. And Sir Davos says, F him. Um, you know, I'm not asking the Lord of Light for help. I'm asking you to help. So can you please try to do this for John? We really need him. So she goes to the room, she bathes John's body until it's completely clean, not really sure what this is for because, um, you know, Thoros of Mira brought back Lord Beric Dondarrion, we didn't really see all this going on, but I don't know, maybe he found a, sh a few shortcuts. Also, you get to see Kit Harrington's body, I'm sure the girls loved that, um, I didn't mind it too much, but, um. So she cuts some of his hair, then she kind of, um, she throws it in the fire, she pours water over his head, it's kind of very um, allegorical to like a baptism, a Christian baptism, 
and she recites this um this spell over and over again and she gets done she puts her hands on him for a minute she turns around she looks at sir davos it's like she didn't even believe that it was even gonna happen so she kind of gives him an apologetic look she leaves the room Tormund looks at sir davos like i told you so and he walks out of the room um then dolores ed and the other guys of the night's watch that were in there earlier they look very disappointed they don't know what to do so they walk out finally sir davos stands there for a minute he just starts to concede defeat he walks out of the room and closes the door um i thought it was really funny that ghost was just lying under the table asleep so he didn't seem to be worried about anything too much and he kind of wakes up and uh, makes a noise and it's kind of like i smell somebody i hear somebody and john takes in this big gulp of breath and opens his eyes so he is alive um and that's it for this episode so um you know i guess we'll see is john going to be changed or different by his death and resurrection you know he's been um reborn from fire just like danny which is really interesting we really didn't get to see anything of Danny in this episode. Um, you know, we do find out that Bran's been learning from the Three-Eyed Raven. We saw young Hodor. Is that going to mean something? We did get to see Lyanna Stark. Um, are we going to get to learn more about her? Arya, uh, you know, that storyline's getting a little bland, but um, hopefully it's going to liven up a little bit. So that's it for this episode. Um, like I said, with my previous episode, I'm just going to be recapping all of season six. I'm kind of warming up for season seven. This is my first year doing a podcast, so I thought that would be a pretty good way. And uh, also, you know, who doesn't want to recap? A lot of things happened in season six. So I look forward to seeing you for the next episode. If you have questions, comments, crazy theories, you can email me at gamesforthethrone at gmail.com. You can also like me on Facebook at Games for the Throne and on Twitter it's at Games for the Throne but the four is actually the number four. You can also check out my Games for the Throne blog on 3cstudio.net and that's where I'm going to be putting um, episodes of the podcast as well. There will be lots of news. Um, I've talked about different theories. You can go on there and see what all's on there. So I'll see you next time.